0: Soft story classic bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Mildred at Roselands, episode 19. On the veranda of a lordly mansion overlooking a velvety lawn. Of emerald green spangled with flowers and dotted here and there with giant oaks mangolias and orange trees between which might be caught the silvery gleam of the bright waters of a lakelet beyond a young child a lovely little girl of four was playing with her nurse tossing to and fro a many colored ball with many a sweet baby laugh and shout presently it flew over the railing and rolled away among the flowers in the grass let's go get it mammy said the little one hurrying down the steps let's toss it on the lawn wait honey returned the nurse following her he let old mammy hold you up to see what's coming down there on de water Oh, the boat, the boat, shouted the child as Aunt Chloe lifted her to her shoulder. Will it stop, Mammy? Is Uncle coming on it? Don't know, darling. S'pect he is, Aunt Chloe answered, moving on across the lawn in the direction of the little pier where the boat was already rounding to. Key, yes, dar he am, standing on de deck. The child clapped her pretty hands with a cry of delight. I see him. I see him please go on Mammy now let me down I want to run to meet him a man was stepping ashore gentlemanly in dress and appearance of medium height rather stoutly built sandy hair and whiskers plentiful sprinkled with gray a grave thoughtful face with stern mouth but kindly gray eyes At sight of the fairy little figure bounding toward him, he set down a valet he carried, stooped, and held out his arms. The stern lips relaxed into a smile, the gray eyes twinkling. In an instant she was clinging about his neck, the rosebud mouth pressing sweet kisses on his lips. "'Well, my bony baron, are you glad to see your old uncle come home?' he asked. Holding her for a moment, then setting her on her feet and taking her hand, he walked on toward the house, Aunt Chloe and a boy with the valets following. A pleasant-faced matron in a neat muslin dress and cap met them on the veranda. Welcome home, sir, Mr. Cameron, she said, shaking hands with him. Your rooms are ready, and tea will be on the table in ten minutes. Elsie, my bonnie pet will ye not stay with me while uncle changes his linen yes mrs murray with you and mammy the child answered with cheerful acquiescence uncle won't go away to-morrow nor next day cause he said so the child's meals were usually taken alone in the nursery, earlier hours than those preferred by the older people, better suiting her tender years. But to-night she took tea with her guardian and Mr. Moray, Mrs. Murray sitting opposite him and presiding over the tea-urn. Elsie between them at his right hand, while Aunt Chloe stood at the back of her chair, ready to give instant attention to every want and wish. The evenings were cool enough to make an open wood fair very agreeable, and a fine one blazed and crackled on the hearth in the library. Whither Mr. Cameron bent his steps on leaving the table. He had scarcely taken possession of an easy chair beside it, when Elsie crept to his side and claimed a seat on his knee. "'Poor bit, fatherless sparing,' he muttered as he took her up. "'Some folk are, as the good book says, without natural affection.' "'Why, uncle, is a Papa, hasn't I?' she asked, "'catching in an understanding way only the first half of his remark. "'Mrs. Moray tells me about him sometimes.' "'Yes, so you have,' he said, "'but he isn't here to take care of his little lassie, you know. "'I wish he was. I wish he'd come to us now.' And my mamma in heaven where Jesus is, she prattled on, my sweet purty mamma, and pulling at a gold chain around her neck, she drew out from the bosom of her gown a miniature set in gold and diamonds, a likeness of a very beautiful young girl, dear mamma, sweet purty mamma, she repeated, fondly kissing the pictured face. Let me look at it, Elsie, he said, as she was about to return it to its hiding place. The bonniest face I ever saw, he mused, half aloud, gazing intently upon it. Woe's me that the sods o' the valley should ha' covered it from sight so soon. Was I wrong? Eh, how could I know that she cared so much for that wild youth? I thought it was the... Gold, he was after, and I think so still, but he heaved a profound, remorseful sigh as he relinquished the miniature to its rightful owner. As he did so, he caught sight of Aunt Chloe standing near, her dark eyes fixed on him with an expression of keenest sorrow, mingled with reproach. She blames me, he thought uneasily. Well, well, I meant it all for the best. Aunt Chloe, he said, speaking aloud, bring me a parcel you'll find on my dressing table. She left the room, and presently returned, bringing what he had sent her for. "'Something for you, Elsie,' he said, laying it in her lap. It was loosely wrapped in brown paper, which she quickly unfolded with her small white fingers, bringing to light a large, beautiful, and handsomely dressed doll. "'Oh, oh, see, Mammy, see,' she cried in delight, "'such a big dolly, biggest of all's is dot.' Then she thanked the giver with kisses and smiles and sweet words of baby gratitude, for she was a child of most grateful and loving disposition. mrs Murray must be called in to see and admire the new treasure. Then, with it hugged closely in her arms, the delighted darling bade good night and suffered her mammy to lead her away to bed. What a bony ween it is! One cannot think well o' the father that neglects it," remarked Mr. Cameron, as the tiny fairy-like figure disappeared through the doorway. "It's unaccountable, and wows makes me hay grave doubts of the reality of his love for the mother," said the housekeeper. "But if once he got sight o' the Baron, it would surely be different. Who could see the bit winsome thing and not love her dearly? Can ye no manage to get him here by hook or by crook, Mr. Cameron?" I cannot say that I'm over-anxious, he answered dryly. He's too fairy and hot-headed a youth to deal comfortably with. Besides, he's away in Europe. Ah, uh, when will he return? Indeed, Mrs. Moray, I got no hint of that except that his stay was likely to be lengthy. She had brought in her accounts of household expenditures for the past month, and some time was spent in going over them and conversing of various business matters. "'Mr. Cameron,' she said as the interview was about to close, "'life and health are both uncertain with us all. "'In case anything should happen to you, sir, what?' I will give you the address of my solicitor and of oh, the Baron's grandfather. He said, without waiting for the conclusion of her sentence, and turning to his writing desk, he wrote both on a card, which he handed to her, saying, "It would be advisable for you or the overseer to send them both word immediately if aught occur to deprive me of the ability to attend to the affairs of the state and the welfare of the Beata Scarce a week had elapsed, when Mrs. Moray found reason to be thankful for this act of prudent foresight. Mr. Cameron was taken suddenly and valiantly ill, soon became delirious, and after a few days of suffering breathed his last, without an interval in which he could have attended to business, however important. As soon as it was known that the illness was likely to terminate fatally, letters were dispatched to the addresses given. The lawyer, living no further away than New Orleans, was able to reach Viamede in time for the funeral, but it would take weeks to wind its way to Roselands. Little Elsie saw nothing. Of her guardian, after he was taken sick, she was not shown the corpse, and during the funeral, her nurse had her away in a distant part of the grounds. She's too young to be saddened with thoughts so of death and the grave," said Mrs. Moray. "We'll just tell her when she asks us for her uncle that he's gone to the beautiful heaven, where the Saviour is and her sweet pretty mamma too, and she'll hay only pleasant thoughts about it. The darling pet, the good woman had a very strong motherly affection for the very lovely little one, and was more concerned in regard to the possible, not to say probable, separation from her, consequent upon Mr. Cameron's death, than with any other question touching her own earthly future. She did not know what disposal would be made of the child, but was resolved not to endure separation if it could be avoided even by a considerable pecuniary sacrifice. The lawyer could tell her nothing except that the child's father would not assume entire control of both her person and property. Then she said, with the tears stilling down her cheeks, I fear we may have to part, but I will ever comfort myself with the thought that God reigns and the man's heart is in his hands as the rivers of waters, so that he can turn it whithersoever he will. "'You seem strongly attached to her,' remarked the lawyer. "'Well, she's a pretty little creature and a great Harris. "'The state was large at the time of the grandfather's death "'and has flourished under my friend Cameron's care. "'His investments were always judicious. "'In fact, he couldn't have handled the funds more wisely "'and carefully if it had been his own. "'Mr. Dinsmore has been sent for, you say?' "'The grandfather, sir. "'The father's away in Europe.' "'Ah, rather unfortunate, I fear. "'Well, Mrs. Moray, I have finished the business that brought me here, "'and shall leave by the next boat, which passes, I understand, "'half an hour from this,' he concluded, consulting his watch. "'Yes,' she said, "'but you will first step into the dining-room and take some refreshment, "'will you not, sir? It is quite ready.' he accepted the invitation and while sipping his tea said i shall see mr dinsmore in new orleans he will doubtless call upon me there before coming on to vine and you may depend mrs Moray, that if i have any influence it will be extended in favor of the plan of leaving the little girl in your care "'I thank you, sir,' she said. "'I love the sweet baron as I love my own. "'Now all gone before to the heavenly rest, "'and perhaps, as they hae never seemed to care to trouble with her, "'they may be willing to continue her in my charge.' "'Mrs. Moray was by no means the only one at Viameed, "'who dreaded the changes that might come "'as an indirect consequence of the death of Elsie's guardian.' There were many anxious hearts among the old of the servants. Would the little mistress whom they fairly idolized be carried away from them? Would there be a change of overseers? Would any of them be sold away from home and kindred? Work had been suspended on account of the funeral. It was over, and returning to their accustomed tasks about the mansion and the quarter, they collected in little groups here and there, looking sadly into each other's faces, talking in subdued tones, with many a dubious shake of the head, and not a few tears dropped to the memory of the fair young creature who had left them four years ago to lie down beside her parents in the family burial ground on a grassy slope not far away. Ah, could they but have kept her, so sweet, so gentle, so kind! Presently Aunt Chloe and her young charge, taking the quarter on their way to the mansion, appeared among them, the baby girl looking wondrously like to her, whom they mourned, the same fair, oval face, large lustrous brown eyes, golden brown hair, and sunny smile They gathered about her with honeyed words of endearments. "'kissing the small white hands, the golden ringlets, "'even the hem of her richly embroidered white dress, "'she scattering gracious, winsome words and smiles "'like a little queen among her loyal subjects. "'It was truly the homage of the heart, "'for scarce one of them would have hesitated "'to risk life and limb in her service.' she dispensed her smiles with great impartiality, and was borne to the house on the shoulders of several of these ardent admirers, each taking his turn and carrying her part of the way, that all might share in the privilege, since the loving little heart would not favor one to the rejection of the others. It was just as Mr. Coonley, the solicitor, was about taking his departure that the baby girl was thus born in triumph to the veranda, and sat down there all flushed and rosy, and crowing with delight, "'Nice ride, right, Uncle Ben, and all your other uncles,' she said, kissing her hand to them. "'Mammy will get you some cakes.' "'She's a beautiful child,' exclaimed the solicitor, and aside to Mrs. Moray. "'Yes, sir, and a dear, bearing, sweet and good as she is fair. "'Will you give me a good-bye kiss, my little dear?' he asked, stepping toward her. "'Yes,' she said, holding up her rosebud mouth. "'But I don't know you. Did you come to see my uncle? Where is he?' He gave her a puzzled look, then saying, I haven't time to tell you now, my little girl, hurried away. She looked after him for a moment, then turning to Mrs. Murray, repeated her question. Gone away, darling, was the answer. Now come in and eat your supper, and then we'll have a nice bit talk. Thank you for listening to another episode of Soft Story Classic.